we are continuing a series today called The Little Things. And if you've missed any of that, um, you can always find it online or on our app. And so, uh, but before I get there, I, I, I do want to uh, speak to something. So last week I wasn't here because our family wasn't feeling well and, and I had a guest speaker come in. And uh, I was watching, you know, and he said something in his message uh, that I take issue with. And so I needed to share with you guys something that, that, that I had an issue with. So my friend JT decided to share with you that the first time he interacted with me on a phone, that, that somehow uh, in that interaction, he came to the conclusion that I was not fun to speak to on the phone. Now, what he didn't do is give any context to that phone call. I mean, one of the things you didn't really even understand that I was interviewing him. Uh huh. And I was investigating his theology and his Christology. Okay. So I was asking him important questions. So maybe I was a little more serious. Okay. But I just want to go on record today so everybody knows I'm fun. <laughs> I'm fun to talk to on the phone. All right. I'm done. I'm done. See, some of you, yeah, Chris, you think I'm fun. All right. So we're keeping this series going, the little things. And if you're wondering what that's about, the thing that I know is that if we don't take care of the little things, those little things can eventually grow into big things. You know what I mean? Now, sometimes those big things grow into really awful things. And sometimes they grow into uh, really great things. But if we don't take care of the little things, it can have an impact on us later, for good or for bad. And so this series is about us focusing in on some little things that matter. Solomon said it this way, if you don't take care of the little foxes, what will happen is it will burn down your whole field. And so you've got to make sure that you're taking care of the little things if you're going to continue doing what God wants you to be doing and do it at a level that he wants you to do it at. So the little things really do matter. And so what we've done is we've asked some questions over the last few weeks. And these questions are really designed to get at those little things that we need to be on a regular basis asking ourselves. And so here are some of the questions that we've asked. The first one in the first week was, how in love with Jesus are you right now? Really? You know, because... We do this, like, hey, you love Jesus? Oh, yeah, I love Jesus. How are you doing today? Fine. But really, how's it going? It's a great question. You may not even have a relationship with Jesus, and, and, and you're like, well, I don't have one. Well, see, that's a great question then, because my heart would be that you do. Here's a couple other questions we've asked. Where do you need to be refreshed by the Lord? Like, where do you need a refreshing right now? Where do you need God to show up and do something? Number three is what's blocking the flow of the Spirit of God in your life right now? Uh, Because what can happen is we can get all clogged up sometimes, and the flow can get affected. And so we talked a little bit about that. And so as we zero in on some little things, as we take our temperature, as we do a little maintenance here, here's the question for the day. Here's the question. Listen. What two courageous decisions... Do you need to make 
in order to be obedient to God's promptings. Let me say that again. What two courageous decisions do you need to make in order to be obedient to God's prompting? Now, why is this important? Why is that an important question? Because the truth is, is that God has spoken a lot of times. And what happens is there are things that get in the way of us responding to his prompting. And so what we need to do as people of God or people who desire to follow Jesus is that we need to ask ourselves this question. Where is it? Where is it right now that I need to make some decisions? I need to make a courageous decision in order to see God's purpose, God's plan to come into my life? And this is an important question. So what is it for you? What are the two courageous decisions that you need to make to be obedient to God's promptings. I don't know if you've ever heard of John Maxwell, but he's a leadership guy, and he, he actually was a, a pastor at one time, but, but he wrote this. He said, inability to make decisions is one of the principal reasons executives fail. He said this. He said, deficiency in decision-making ranks much higher than a lack of specific knowledge or technical know-how as an indicator of leadership failure. And then Thomas of Aquinas said it this way. He said, if the highest aim of a captain were to preserve his ship, he would keep it at port forever. You see what I'm getting at? Is it, see, 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 we are called by God to live in this world and to make decisions. And sometimes making decisions can be hard. Isn't that true? I mean, we know that. Like, I mean, there are some easy decisions. Like, you know, hey, where do you want to go to eat? Well, some of you, that's a hard decision. I've been with you. <laughs> well, I don't know. Where do you want to go? <laughs> Lord, help us. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's where we're going. In Jesus' name. And then, but, 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 but some of us are trying to make really hard decisions. Really difficult decisions. Because if we make that decision there might be a particular effect. And sometimes that effect can be scary. Isn't that true? And so, so we get stuck sometimes in this place of not making the decisions that we need to make. And see, it's just true. In life, we're going to have to make decisions. And sometimes we're going to have to make courageous decisions in order to be obedient to what God has called us to do. And I just want to suggest to you today that there's probably a couple of decisions that are sitting there right now that you need to make, but yet you haven't done it. And so my hope today is that as we go through this, that this will kind of help you see and help you kind of listen and learn something that could help you do the thing that God has called you to do. You know, the Bible's full of people making decisions. And a matter of fact, hard decisions, like really, really difficult decisions. I don't know if you've heard of a guy named Abraham. Abraham was asked by God to leave everything and follow him. And then when he got there, God started to see this promise come into his life, or God was ushering this promise into Abraham's life. One of the promises was that he would have a kid. And through that kid, that God would bless the rest of the world. And so God comes to Abraham one day and says, Abraham, I need you to go up on this mountain and I need you to take your son 
And when you get up there, I need you to sacrifice it. Now, if you've ever read that story, most of us are like, all right, I'm out. Right? I mean, not only that, but you're probably like, God, why would you do that? Like, what? that's not the God I know. What, what, what's happening here? Just to give you a short explanation. God was trying to help Abraham see something that really, really matters to God. Is that he will never, ever, ever compete for his glory. He won't. He won't do it. Now, that was a difficult situation, don't you think? I mean, Abraham was like, and so when he goes up to do that, God intervenes and shows up and teaches him a lesson. But friends, that was not easy. Think about Joseph for a second. Like, you know, Mary and Joseph. Can you imagine what it was like for Joseph? Mary shows up and says, hey, I just need you to know. In that day and age, how difficult it was for him to stand up and say, yes, this is my girl. Wow. That was hard. I mean, it was a very difficult decision. And not just that, but that he stood up and parented a child that was not biologically his. Imagine that. Very difficult. How about this? Paul, heard of this guy? Paul's been through it. And he had to make very difficult decisions. And lately I've been reading through the book of Acts. And, and if you go through the first few chapters of the book of Acts, you eventually show up and, and hear of a guy named Saul who eventually became Paul. Okay? Like his name changed. But, but, but this guy was committed to persecuting Christians. Like he was there when Stephen, the first martyr of the church, was getting stoned to death. He's there going like, yeah, get it done. So we go a little bit further. Next thing you know, God meets him, knocks him off his horse. (laughs) Have you ever had God knock you off your horse? (laughs) Figuratively. And he's sitting there and he can't see. And it's in that moment that God reveals himself to Paul and, and Paul's life begins to change. And the next thing you know, he comes to faith in Jesus. And he's been persecuting these Christians, right? So this is his situation. He, his difficult decision to follow Jesus led to him. It's so crazy. It led to him being rejected by his own tribe. And he was suspended. They were, he was suspect by the tribe that he was trying to get into. Because you're, you're like, wait a second. That guy's trying to kill people. I don't want him in my house. Can you imagine how difficult that was to stand in that tension? Very hard. And see, the truth is, we may have to make a decision like that at some point in our life. But there are other decisions that, are not, that don't necessarily rise to that level. But we do know this, and this is absolutely what I know. Every decision, uh, in some ways, is subjective to the individual. And what I mean by that is what's hard for you may not be hard for me. You understand what I'm saying? And what's hard for me may not be hard for you. So us sitting here saying, well, this is hard and that's hard. It's just hard. Whatever that is, it's hard. Okay? But that hard should not keep us from doing the next right thing. To being courageous 
to do what God has called us to do. So again, I ask you this question. What two decisions? What two decisions? What two courageous decisions do you need to make right now to be obedient to God's prompting in your life? Because isn't it true that when something shows up that's difficult or hard, we just kind of want to wait? You know what I mean? Maybe even put your head in the sand a little bit. Act like it ain't real. You know, you kind of look around. Oh, no, I didn't see that. (laughs) I didn't see that, right? Any of y'all do that? Nobody, huh? Of course we do. Because it's hard. And there's a part of us that doesn't want to go towards it. But what happens sometimes is we maybe wait. Now, let me say this. Waiting isn't always a bad thing. Waiting can be a really good thing. Do you know that? So, I mean, if you're trying to fact find or maybe you're trying to prayerfully consider something that God is telling you to do, you know, waiting and asking the Lord to speak can be a very important thing to do. But if God has spoken on a matter, has told you to do something, you're like, well, I don't hear God tell me things. Okay, fine, 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 fine. If you've read the Bible and there are things that have been said to you in the Bible, not the gray stuff, but the black and white stuff, okay, you never have to ask this question, does God want me to? Is it God's will? Of course it's his will. It's in his word. Now, timing matters. Sometimes we wait in order to prefer consider or strategize how we're going to do something. Now, that's all important. But here's the thing I really want to get at. Because I think this affects us more often. And this is something we got to see. Listen to me. But waiting to make a decision because we're afraid is never a good thing. You're like, wait a second. Well, how do you say that, Pastor? Well, the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. That, 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 yes, that's scary. Yes, that could go really bad. Yes, yes, yes. All those things are true. But it doesn't change the fact that God doesn't want us to live in fear. That he doesn't want us to live afraid. Do you understand? And, and, and I'm going to explain to you why this is so important. Because a lot of times in our life, the reason we won't make the courageous decision is because we're afraid. Because we're afraid of what's going to happen on the other side of it. And let me say this to you, friends. I get it. I've made some really hard decisions in my life. And some of them have gone well. And some of them have not. And that's scary, isn't it? But I'm trying to get us deep down into this so you can see something. Because God doesn't want you to live with that. And that's what's so critical. When Jesus says, I come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly, he doesn't say that there won't be opportunities to be afraid. Matter of fact, he guarantees it. What he's saying is that in the midst of that, you can receive what you need so that you can then take your faith-filled, courageous step. Do you see what I'm saying? Listen to this in, in, in Joshua. Joshua 1.9. Some of you have heard this, but, but I love the way this starts in verse 9. Watch this. Have I not commanded you? Do you notice it doesn't say suggested? So God is speaking to Joshua. And Joshua is literally standing 
And his next step is to walk into a battle. Like a war, not like a fake battle, a real one. And God comes to him and says, have I not commanded you? Isn't that good? He's like, I'm telling you. Like he's looking at Joshua and saying, look at me in the eyes. Look at me in the eyes. And what does he have commanded? What's what's, What's he said? Look at this. Be strong and courageous. Like he's, he's literally looking at Joshua and he's saying, be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Is that because his biceps were big? Is it because he was somehow strong? No, it was because God was with him. And when God is with you, you can be strong. You can face anything. You might even do it afraid. But you do it because he's with you. So be strong and courageous, he says to Joshua. And then he says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Friends, when you make a decision, hard, easy, middle of the road, God is with you. God is with you. And he's saying to you and me today, do not be afraid because I'm with you. Isaiah 41.10 says this, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. And you know what he says? He says, I will strengthen you. He will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And when you got the righteous right hand of God, that's his strong hand. He's with you. He's not forsaking you. Doesn't make it easy. But he's with you. And then Psalm, I love this. Psalm 55, 22 says this. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. Oh, thank God that he's our sustainer. He didn't create you and then leave you. He created you and is ever present sustaining you for the things he has pre-planned for you to do. He's not surprised. (laughs) He is all in. And he's with you, the Bible says. God, oh, if you would get this, he says. He says, he shall sustain you. Then he says this. He shall never, oh, this is good. You with me? He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. (laughs) Oh, what a guarantee. What an amazing promise of God. That whatever you're walking into, whatever you're walking to, and you're like, well, pastor, I don't feel very righteous. Well, I get it. I don't always feel righteous either. But the Bible says that if you have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus gives you his righteousness. And so you have his righteousness and that righteousness means that this promise of you not being moved is yours. Isn't that amazing? That God is promising you this. So here's the question. What two courageous decisions do you need to make in order to be obedient to God's promptings right now? Now, maybe it's personal for you. 
Maybe there's a personal situation. How about this? Maybe it's an integrity check, right? Like something at work, something in a relationship. Are you going to do the next right thing? You with me? It might be, and you have to decide, what am I going to do? Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's relational. Like maybe you have to make the decision to forgive. That's not easy. Maybe you have to make the decision to let go of the bitterness and the anger. Maybe you have to make that hard decision because, guys, forgiving people is not always easy, is it? We all know that. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, some financial decision that you need to make. Maybe it's related to tithing. Come on. Do you know, there are two reasons people don't tithe usually. One is they're too in debt, so they have no margin. And the other is they're afraid. That's it. You get down to the bottom of it, you're like, Pastor, that's not... Yes! It is. And you say, well, the Bible... Yeah, the Bible says it. But what's your point? My point is, if God said it, you should do it. And yet, less than 10% of people in the United States actually tithe. You think I'm making this up? So my point is, is that if God's told you to do something, sometimes you have to take the courageous step to do it. Because here's the point I'm getting at. Is that if you don't, that faith is not going to get activated. God wants you to activate your faith in faithfulness, and the moment you do, he shows up. But if you're just sitting there saying, well, God, I just wish you'd do it. He's looking at you saying, I wish you would. I wish you in faith would do it, and trust me, and believe that when you activate your faith in relationships or finances or vocation, that I will show up because I told you I would. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? Maybe it's vocationally. Maybe you need to make a decision. Maybe you need a new job. Maybe you need to stay at the job you're at. See, probably the worst, one of the worst decisions I see people make vocationally is they take a job because they want more money. I've seen people ruin their lives chasing more money. So maybe you need to stay and just be thankful. But then maybe God's leading you out, and that's okay too. Make all the money God wants you to make. I don't care. But what decision does God want you to make? What do you need to start? What do you need to stop? What is it right now that you need to start? Something that that you need to start doing. Maybe there's something that you need to not do. Maybe there's a dream right now that God has placed in your life, and if you will step out in faith, it will be activated. Or maybe there's something you need to stop doing that you need to, hear me, that you need to let die. Because it's in the death that God brings new life. But sometimes we cling to death. See, God says in his word, he said, I set before you life and death. You choose this day which you want. Isn't that crazy? Some of us maybe need to make a hard decision to let something go. Like you need to let it go. You are walking into your future looking backwards. Like literally, you are spending way too much time in the rear view mirror. And God is saying, stop looking in the rear view mirror. You get your eyes on me and you keep walking. 
Maybe that's a decision you need to make today. Maybe there's something that God put in you a long time ago that needs to be revived. Like it's just kind of laying there on, on like uh, life support. And God wants to breathe into it. I don't know what it is, but I know it's not always easy to make those decisions, is it? And so we have to begin to make those decisions. Listen to this, and, and this is in Psalm 37. You guys still with me? Psalm 37, listen to this, verse, verse 3. Trust in the Lord. Isn't that good? Trust in the Lord and do good. That's enough. Right there. Trust in the Lord and do good. He says, dwell in the land. And then listen to this. Oh, goodness. And feed on his faithfulness. What are you feeding on, friend? What, what are you putting into your body? What are you ingesting? What are you, what are you eating? Some of us are eating fear. We're eating anxiety. We're eating all kinds of things. And the Bible says we need to be feasting on something. What do we need to be feasting on? His faithfulness. Do you understand what that means? That means if you will feast on his faithfulness, your misery is going to come up. Because God is with you. The fear you have is going to go down because God is with you. You're reminding yourself every moment that he's been faithful. He did it then. He'll do it again. Are you starting to see what I'm saying? That when we start to feast on his faithfulness, these are the kinds of things that happen in our lives. Oh, it's good. Oh, we need to stop feasting on certain things. Some of us have a diet of fear. Like we are eating it all the time. Get off the news. Get focused on God again. You think that if God can part the Red Sea, he can't do something in your life? Ha! Come on. We got to feast on his faithfulness, the Bible says. And then in verse 4, watch this. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Some of us have misinterpreted this. Right? You got to like tattooed on your body. And what you think it means is God's going to give me everything I want. That's not what it means, friends. What it means is, is when you feast on his faithfulness, when you get your eyes on him, he starts to change you from the inside out and your will gets lined up with his will. And then you get what you desire. <laughs> Come on. God is so good, isn't he? He's, he's speaking to us, guys. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He will bring it to pass. You know that thing you're trying to bring to pass? If you'll just simply trust him in faith, he's going to bring that thing to pass. I'm amazed. This is true. I've been doing this a long time. This is true. You fret. You have all of these cares and concerns. And it keeps you from taking that step. But the thing that I've learned all over and over and over again is that however hard it is on the other side of it, and guys, I've been scared to make decisions before. There have been situations I have not wanted to lean into. As a leader, as a husband, as a father. It's just not easy, right? 
But I can tell you this every time. I'm absolutely blown away by this. The moment I choose to do it, doesn't make it easy. But every time, not only does God show up, but he's already dispatched the provision. It's already on its way. Like it's coming. And you're like, when? I don't know. But I know it's coming. And every time God shows up and that thing where you're like, well, I just don't know how we're going to be able to, I, I, oh, we lose this person or lose that. I don't know. God says, I'm on my way. Oh, it's so good. Isn't that good to know that he's already dispatched the provision you need? So good. Jesus, help us. So here's it. What two courageous decisions do you need to make in order to be obedient to God's prompting right now? Let's do it. Let's just make the decision. Walk into it and know that it's not going to be easy all the time, but God is with you. Now, you may be asking yourself this. Well, Pastor, what if it does go bad? <laughs> right? Like, what if it does go bad? That's what I'm afraid of. That's what I'm scared of. Right? I get it. But the thing you have to know, and this is so important, we rarely learn lessons when we're comfortable. Come on. We learn lessons when it's hard. Because, see, when it's comfortable, we're just like, dude, dude, it's awesome. You know, right? But when it gets hard, you're like, you got your head on a swivel now. You're engaged. Right? See, that's why it's not that God brings bad things. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that bad things happen because of sin. We have to deal with that. In decisions. And so things are going to go bad sometimes. Even when you're trying to be faithful. Yeah, yeah. And so Isaiah, watch this. I love this. Isaiah 43, 18 says this. Forget the former things. Now what does it say? Does it say remember the former things? No, it says forget the former things. And then it says do not dwell on the past. So pastor, what does that mean? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. And then he says this in verse 19. He says, see, even in the middle of this hard thing, I am doing a new thing. Now, look, look, he's like, now it springs up in the middle of that burned field. Come on. I felt that way in COVID. You know, the church was like here. And then we get hammered by this stupid disease. And, and, and it looks like the field has just been burned to the ground. And yet, there's a little bitty flower in the middle of that field. And God is saying, I'm doing a new thing. And he says, now it's going to spring up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Oh, oh that's so good. He is making a way in your difficulty, in your desert. He is building a road. Right through the thing. Oh, I love that. Oh, I hope you're getting some of this. Because here's the thing, and I need you to hear me. How many hours of my life have I wasted? Looking back. Obsessing. 
dwelling on the things that have happened. And here's the thing I know. The older I get, the more I think about it. I'm never getting that back. I'm never getting it back. And here's what I'm trying to get you to see. I'm not saying that it doesn't take time to heal. All right, I'm not saying that. I'm just simply saying that God gives us instruction and says, you need to stop looking there. Now, sometimes you got to go back to get healed, right? you got to go back to get, get, get moving forward. Sometimes that happens. I'm not saying don't do that. But I've found more often than not in my life, when I screw up, when I sin, I spend way too much time obsessing about what I did. And see, when, we, when, when things go bad, it gives us a chance to reflect. It gives us a chance to repent. Did you know the Bible says that when you ask God to forgive you, he does? Did you know that? That's real. Like you're saying, well, does he have to like run it through a few people? No. He's the guy. So you go to him, Jesus, I need to be forgiven for this. I, I screwed it up. I hurt this person. I, I did something stupid. God, forgive me. You know what he says? Deal. You're forgiven. And you know what he doesn't say? Now go kick yourself. Now, you with me? He doesn't say spend time getting all wormy, thinking that you're some worm. No, no. You're still a son of God. You're still a daughter of the king. So stop looking at it and start looking at him. Now here, I'm going to tell you something. This is not biblical. This is practical. And I think there's truth in it, but it's just something that it's helped me. If you're someone who obsesses over their own sin, you know, when you screw up, you dwell on it. When you hurt people, I'm just going to help you. In your own subjective world, if it's kind of like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. And it's not a big sin. It's just a little sin. Whatever you would say, right? Even though all sin, sin, God, you got it. But to you, it's like, yeah, this wasn't as big. A minute, you put a time limit on it. You ask God to forgive you, and you give yourself a minute to obsess. Then you're done. How about this? It's really a bad sin, right? Whatever you categorize as a bad sin. 24 hours. Okay? 24 hours. Now you're like, Pastor... Where do you see that in the scripture? I just told you it wasn't there. <laughs> I'm saying practically, I know I need to set a time limit. Now, I will tell you something that is in the scripture, and that is mourning has a period of time. God is instructing his people often to mourn in a period. Some of us have been mourning like for five years. Some of us are still mourning over something that's been going on, that's been gone a long time. You know, we have to give ourselves a time limit because what will happen is we'll just keep looking in the past. So we need to repent. God forgives us, right? And then watch this. Remember that failure is never final. It's just not. God does his best work in your failure. He, oh, he does his best work in your failure, in my failure. So how about this? So it went bad. 
what if it goes good? Like, what if you, you do it, you make the courageous decision, and it goes well? What do you do? You don't just move on. Hear me. You rejoice. You don't just rejoice that it went good. You rejoice that the one that is good showed up. And the Bible says it this way in, in Psalm 34. I love this. I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. I will constantly speak of his glories and grace. I will boast of all his kindness to me. Come on, guys. Let all who, look at this, let all who is discouraged take heart. Let us praise the Lord together and exalt his name. See, that's what he wants from us. When it goes good, he wants us to circle the wagons and say, guys, guess what? God showed up and it was amazing. Will you celebrate with me? God is faithful. He did it in Jesus' name. And some of you are like, well, that seems a little excessive. <laughs> Isn't it okay to be excessive about our God that loves us, that shows up? Oh, come on, let's rejoice. Let's give him praise and glory. And let's do it first. Not second, not third. Don't call your mama first. You yell to the Lord first. Then call your mama. Give him first. He wants to be first always. So glorify. Oh, this is so good, guys. I hope you're getting this. So what two decisions? What two courageous decisions do you need to make in order to be obedient to what God has already prompted you to do. I want to end with this passage of scripture and then we'll be finished. I'm just want to, I really just want to read this to you. Okay? Like I want it to be life to you. Like a, almost like a benediction. Would you receive this? And so this is from Psalm, or I mean from Philippians. And it's important you hear this. Uh, many believe that this particular letter from Paul was written in prison. Okay? That's important. Got the context? Now listen. Let this be for you. He says, do not fret. <laughs> now, where is he? He's in prison. I don't know about you. I might be fretting a little bit. He says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Now, you're probably saying, well, Paul, you don't understand. Friends, Paul understands. Where is he? He's in prison. Paul understands what it means to be persecuted. To be caught between two worlds trying to usher in the kingdom of God. Friends, he understands and he says to us, to you and to me, he says, don't fret or have anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance, every circumstance and in everything, watch this, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So even in prison, he's got thanksgiving going on. With thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. 
And then he says this in verse 7. Receive this. And God's peace, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your heart and mind in Jesus Christ. I'm coming back. In verse 7, in the Amplified, I want to read that to you. So what is this God's peace we're talking about? This God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot or whatever sort that is, that peace. Friends, that's robust peace. And he says this transcends all of your understanding. You know how you obsess and try to control things? It's beyond your reason. It's beyond your knowledge. It's beyond your wisdom and understanding. It's something you can't explain that comes to your life because Jesus is in it. And then, oh, it's so good. Watch this. Receive this. It shall garrison and mount guard over your heart and your mind. So what is he saying? He's saying that when you come to him, he circles the wagons around you. And he's protecting you now. Not only is he bringing peace, he guards it. He guards it. See, that's the kind of peace that Jesus wants to bring into our life. It's not an absence of chaos. It's not an absence of conflict. It's a peace in the middle of it that transcends all understanding. And that, my friends, is what God wants for you and for me. Let's pray together. Are you here struggling with that peace like you don't have it right now anybody in here i want to pray specifically for anybody here today that needs the peace of god to come to their life okay is there anybody in here just raise your hand up if you need god's peace just raise your hand up right now just raise it up i'm going to pray for you awesome awesome let me pray for you if you didn't raise your hand up just receive this heavenly father i pray right now for anybody in this room that needs the peace of God to come to their life. I speak his presence over you. I speak his presence inside of you. That the peace of the Lord would begin to fill your body, would fill your spirit, would fill your soul, your mind, your seat of emotions, your will, that the peace of God would permeate all things in you. The Bible says if we ask, we receive. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would do that, God. If that's you, just say, Lord, I receive it. I receive your peace today. Thank you, Jesus. Now, you, as I was preaching and as I was talking about all of this stuff, when I talk about peace, you may be thinking, I don't even have that in my life. Like I've heard about it, but it's not mine. Did you know that peace is a person? His name's Jesus. 
And the Bible says that if you would give your life to him, if you would in faith believe that he is who he says he is and that he's done what he says he's done, that he will come in and save you and restore you and transform you into the person he wants you to be. Oh, that's the gospel, friends. And if you're wondering what the gospel is, it's simply the birth, the life, the death of Jesus and the resurrection three days later. Why is that important? Because he beats sin and death. And then the Bible says to complete it, he will come back again. That is the gospel. And so when I say, what are you receiving? That's what you're receiving. What a glorious thing. And so the Bible says, if you in faith will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that that's true, that God will come. Jesus will come and you can now have a relationship with him. And so I want to ask you that today. Do you know him? Do you have that peace, that man of peace in your life? And if not, I want to pray for you. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody's looking around. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. And the way that we do that is I'm going to ask on the count of three for you to just simply raise your hand up. I'm not going to point you out or embarrass you. I just want to give you a chance to respond in faith to whatever the Lord is doing in you right now. Because I've learned this. If we can't raise our hand up in here, we definitely won't do it out there. And so I just want to give you an opportunity. If you would say, I don't have a relationship with him, I need that. Just go ahead and do that on the count of three. One, two, three. Go ahead. Just raise your hand up. God bless you. Good. Good. Anybody else? Today's your day. God never promises another one. God bless you. All right, church. Everybody's praying together. Nobody's praying alone here. And so let's all pray this prayer. If you raised your hand and you want this and you desire this, you say this prayer as well. Heavenly Father. I need a savior. Will you forgive me of my sins? I surrender my life to you. Will you be my Lord? Will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.